Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. How you doing today? How many of you love Jesus? How many of you hate the devil? All right, we're, we're in good shape. Somebody at the clinic this week asked me, so what kind of church are you? I said, we're a church that loves Jesus and hates the devil. And she started laughing. She might be here today, actually invited her. Actually, she invited herself and uh, her husband. So I don't know if they're here. I can't see out there. But if you are, it's good to have you. All right, part three. What's up, Papa? It's good to see you guys. Good to see all of you. I'm ready to preach this morning. Amen. Part three, the time is now. And you better have a notebook pad or a smartphone or something or watch online. I watched the service from last week twice yesterday. I got saved after the first one. And then the second one, I got filled with the Holy Ghost again. So it wasn't me, but it sure was uh, a word for us. And uh, I believe the Lord is doing some amazing things. This morning early, I was texting back and forth with a bunch of my pastor friends from... um, Isn't it good to have a friend? I have some pastor friends that we did youth ministry together uh, 35 years ago. That's a long time, isn't it? And uh, we're still incredible friends. There's five of us. And uh, we text every single Sunday morning. It's like, who got up the earliest? Who was in the presence of God? Writes the first text. And then the rest are, you know, they try to one-up or ditto or whatever. And by the time, if you're the last one, there's nothing for you to say. I mean, you're just like, okay, I'm chopped liver here. I slept in this morning and everybody else got in front of me. But they were all just talking about the amazing things God's doing in their house just since the first day of 2021. Come on, somebody. Every single church said, God is saving souls in our house. One of the brothers, he actually turned his church over to his son about a year and a half ago. And uh, he was a little boy, used to uh, snow ski with my sons. And uh, boy, I never imagined that boy growing up into the man of God that he is, uh, but he did, and he's now pastoring. In the last two weeks, they've had 30 people come to Jesus in their house. Come on, somebody. That's taking the daddy's uh, anointing and portion and multiplying it, and uh, that's what every father wants for their sons. So uh, today, uh, I believe Holy Spirit, again, has another word for us, and uh, I think we're going to start on number, anybody know what we stopped last week? I think it was 14, wasn't it? 15 for this service. I saved it just for you guys. 15. So let me pray and we're going to jump into the word this morning. Lord, we love you. You're awesome. There's no one like you. We bless you today for what you're doing in the midst of crazy days in our country, in our nation. You are mighty. You're mighty. Your presence is strong. And we love you. We're thankful for all that you're doing. Father, in the midst of, for a lot of people, troubling times, fearful times, I thank you that you have a word this morning for us to alleviate, to annihilate, to destroy the spirit of fear and anxiety, 
and anxiousness. That there is something that's greater than that, and it's faith through your son, Jesus Christ. Because all that Jesus did for us was for a reason, right here in 2021. So today we come with a hearing ear to hear, Father, a heart to receive, a desire to fulfill your purpose in our life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, I got to go back to Haggai. Anybody read Haggai this week after uh, last week? Thank you. All right. Uh, I was actually looking uh, in Nehemiah, and after Pastor Ron's preached that thing about 400 times over the last 20 years, uh, I, I figured I'd leave that alone, and so I went back to Haggai. There is a powerful scripture, though, in Jeremiah that so goes along with this. But uh, a, a sentence that I, I don't think I even realized last week when I was reading it popped out on two different uh, verses in just verse two through eight. And so I wanna read these again this morning. And remember, we're talking about the time is now, what the, what the word of the Lord is for us, for our house, and for generations to come. And that there is a word that God has, that God is speaking. And it is alive, it's powerful, and it's mighty when we appropriate it by faith. Can more than four of you say amen? Amen. It's a word that when we apply it to our life, things begin to change. So let me just read because I'm going to get into preaching if I don't. Haggai chapter 1 verse 238. I have on the front row uh, some friends of mine from uh, another lifetime ago and uh, Terry and her husband, Bill. Terry's been coming for a few weeks. And uh, another friend that I haven't seen in, wow, 40 plus years. I got old. I don't know what happened with you. You're still beautiful, but I, I, I'm old. And uh, it's great to see you, Lynn. But uh, welcome, my friends, from uh, Winter Haven and Jacksonville. Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come. Man, I want that thing to get in your spirit because the enemy can, I got, see, I've, I've just gone to start preaching. I'm supposed to be reading. But the enemy will tell you the time is not yet. The enemy will tell you the time is not yet. He said, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? While this house, talking about the house of God, lies in ruins. Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. How many of you remember that time in your life when you were cursed, everything you had was cursed, and no matter what you got, it went into a bag with holes? I mean, you got a blessing, but then you got a curse right behind it. That was my life for a lot of reasons until I found out years ago the time was now for me to change. And 41 and a half years ago, I had a massive radical revelation from God that changed my life forever. And the Holy Spirit used a person. 
In my particular life, it was that woman right there. <laughs> Anybody have somebody that the Lord uses a lot in your life? Yeah, all the married people are shaking their head carefully. <laughs> Thus says the Lord, verse 7, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. So twice in those few verses, God says, consider your ways. Man, Friday, I was meditating on this scripture. And I had just gotten a text from a pastor friend who wanted to share with me that uh, they, they had had some bad news and his wife had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. And they were encouraging her for immediate surgery, radiation, chemo. And immediately what came out of my mouth, I hate cancer. It's a work of hell. It, it's because, and for those of you that are reading through the Bible with us this year, you've been over in Genesis and man, it's so rich, but, but you realize that all that we're going through is because of the fall of man, because Adam and Eve messed up. And because they messed up, for thousands of years, through the old covenant, people were trying to walk out getting right with God by keeping the law. Boy, it was futile. Just no matter how hard they worked, they just couldn't do it. Couldn't even come to the temple without something to sacrifice for your many sins. Growing up, I remember in my little Nazarene church at our at our monthly, uh, I don't know what they call those things, but we ate a lot together. <laughs> Sunday night, Wednesday nights, and dinner on the grounds. We didn't eat on the ground. I don't know why they called it that, but we, we had, we'd have dinner. And, and before the meal, one of the deacons would always be asked to pray, and in the midst of their prayer, they would always say, Lord, forgive us of our many sins. So I grew up with that in my mind. Lord, forgive us of our many sins. And one day years ago, after I was pastoring this house, I was praying that prayer and the Lord said, why do you keep confessing that? Because any sin you confessed is behind you, it's forgiven. And I have a grace that'll help you that you don't have to have many sins every day in your life. So for any of you that are still praying that prayer over every meal that you have with your family, stop. Stop what, pastor? Stop praying that? No, stop sinning first. <laughs> Amen? And then once you stop sinning, you don't have to pray that prayer. And so I was considering, he said, consider your ways. And I was considering this in the pain of a pastor friend whose young wife was just diagnosed. And I was thinking about all the things that the Lord's wanting to do in us and for us and through us in 2021. And I went back to this scripture and I started reading it. And, and one of the things that I, I read that last verse, he said, the Lord said through the prophet Haggai, he said, go up to the hills, bring wood and build the house 
that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. And you know, you remember from last week, I, I read the scripture referring to the old covenant and the temple uh, in Jerusalem that had been built for the worship of God. And then I told us about the, the story of the Samaritan woman who uh, cried out to Jesus and, and they're in a lengthy conversation. Jesus is about to reveal who he is for the very first time publicly. And, uh, and, and this woman, she, she's, she's distraught, she's frustrated, she's hurting. And the Lord had already revealed that, that, that she had had five husbands and the man she is living with now wasn't even her husband. She had woken up to this man was a prophet. And, and, and so she says, if you're a prophet, then I have a question. Where do we worship God? You Israelites, Jews, you say that we have to worship God in the temple. Do we worship God on this mountain or in the, on these hills? Where, where, where can we worship God? And Jesus said that the time is coming and now is. The time now is. When you will worship God, come on somebody. Say it out loud if you know it. In spirit and in truth. You don't need a mountain. You don't need a building said, you can worship God wherever you are. So when we take that passage of scripture and we consider our ways and we move into the new covenant, now we have Christ who paid the price for our salvation. We have the Holy Spirit who's come to live in us, dwell within us, help us, teach us, comfort us, strengthen us. We have what the old covenant believers never had. We have no excuse to be sinning every day. I'm not saying you're not going to mess up because you will. Say amen. amen. You will. But once you do, the Lord loves you so much, the Holy Spirit is living in you, and he can't live in you if sin's in there, so he immediately convicts. And what do we immediately do? Repent. Confess our sins, our faults, one to another. Some of you, <laughs> some of you don't like doing that. I'll just talk to God. Sometimes the Lord says, I've been listening. But you need someone that you're going to have to answer to in the here and now. That's why all you husbands have a wife. All you wives have a husband. Amen? Everybody needs a friend. Whether you're married, single, young, old, doesn't matter. We need someone. And I thank God for friends. I thank God for friends that... I, I have some brothers that will challenge me. Francis Amfuso, one of them. A couple of weeks, Suzanne and I are going to go spend a few days with him and Susie. They're actually coming this way. But Francis, I, Suzanne doesn't even like being around Francis and I when we get to going. Because we get to going. I mean, we're all up in each other's face. It's amazing how much we love each other. And we just, we just go at it. Challenge. And we all need somebody to stir us. Challenge us. And for every married man, you have a wife that you need to be accountable to, but I'm telling you, you need a brother. 
Because a brother will talk to you the way your wife won't even talk to you. Come on. Somebody besides Jamie in here, wake up. You get a brother. When he asks you how you're doing, he doesn't mean like, how are you doing? Am I speaking the truth, Hector? He's not just like, oh, the weather's good today. Oh, what do you think of my outfit? We men don't do that. Don't, don't really care about what shoes you're wearing or your shirt, whether it's button or crooked button. Well, if you're a friend of mine, I'll tell you if it's a crooked button. <laughs> not for your sake, for my sake, I gotta look at you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm a military guy, you know, the belt line's gotta be straight and every, it's, gotta be, it's gotta be right. But one of the things when we go from the old covenant and the new and we bring into the new covenant with us, listen to this, years before God, expect, oh, this is so powerful. Listen to this. Before God expected his people to rebuild his temple, he caused trees to grow in the hills, in the countryside. The stone, the timber, everything they needed to do what God commanded them to do, he had already provided for them. He had already provided it. He didn't tell them to rebuild my temple, and by the way, you need to grow some trees. He had already grown the trees. The stone was already there. God doesn't ask us to do things that he doesn't stand ready to provide. Help, resources, encouragement. He's waiting for us to obey. Come on, somebody say amen to that. The ball was in their court. God gave them a three-step plan. I had to write this down because it's just so powerful. A three-step plan to obey. He said, go to the mountain. He said, bring down the timber. And he said, build my house. Well, pastor, we're not, we're not building any houses today. Oh, yes, we are. We're building a house that's way more valuable than the temple that Jerusalem had. It's called the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's this temple right here. This is what God's concerned about. This is what God's interested in is what are we doing with this temple? Is your temple lying in ruins? Have you neglected it? Have you allowed the enemy to rob you of things that were once valuable to you? Are you a worshiper? Do you pray? Are you in the word of God? Or do you just confess Christianity because you hope one day you get to go to heaven? Man, I'm glad I don't have to live hoping. Not that kind of hope. I have a hope in God. But I, I'm not like, oh my gosh, I, I hope I didn't mess up today and, and it disqualified me from heaven. No, because if you messed up, the Holy Spirit is coming immediately to bring conviction. Why? Because he likes to make you miserable. That's why. <laughs> is that why? No. No, he doesn't want you being miserable. There. For there is now no condemnation to those who walk in Christ Jesus, living by the Spirit and not by the flesh. He doesn't want you miserable. He wants you right. And as much as God said through Haggai the prophet, go to the mountain, bring down the temper, temple, bring down the timber and build my house. He's saying to us today, build my house. 
That's what our Sunday gatherings are. Matter of fact, I'll just use this to jump in. What day are we starting? February the what? Tad? Somebody? Ron? Look it up. February the 3rd. We're going to start gathering on Wednesday nights. We're going to have all kinds of things happening on Wednesday nights. The youth will be meeting in the back, except when they're not meeting in the back because they're meeting with us. We're going to have nights of worship. We're going to have some healing miracle nights. We're going to keep having healing services until we're all healed. Come on, somebody. Amen. Jesus spoke to a blind man and said, what do you see? He said, whoo, I see. I see men that look like trees. Jesus laid his hands on and spoke again. You know what that says to me? You keep coming until it's done. You keep pressing in until it's a finished product in your life. I got to get to my notes. The ball was in their court. Hear me. Today, the ball is in your court. It's in your court. What are the immediate steps you need to take? Key word there is immediate. Not let me go home and ponder this. Pastor, you just said consider your ways. Let me think about this for a month or two. No, you don't need to think about this for a month or two. You need to consider your ways and whatever is interfering, whatever is blocking the move of God in your life. Repent. Confess your sin. Walk in forgiveness. Don't you just love the breath of forgiveness? Don't you just love it once you've repented? I mean, you're miserable all the way to the place of repentance. And then you say, Father, forgive me. That's not who I am. That's not what I want to be. Help me. And the Lord forgives. And you're clean. I mean, you're clean. When I had this surgery last Wednesday, she told me now, Pastor, you can't take a shower. I'm like, hold it, stop right there. She said, you can't take a shower for 48 hours. You can sponge bathe. Can't get this thing wet. My goodness, 48 hours. I stayed home. I was, it was cold out and I had a fire going most of the time, but I was miserable. And I'm telling you, at five minutes till four, four was 48 hours. At five minutes till four, the heater in the bathroom came on. The hot water was turned on, steaming hot. And I started heading to the shower, undressing on my way, calling Suzanne. As soon as I get in there and get this thing all wet, you got to stick your head into the shower and pull this. I, I mean, I had this big old massive bandage. And man, I just stood in the shower. It, don't you just love a good hot shower? That's what it's like when you repent of your sins. Except instead of it being on the outside, come on, somebody. You're cleaned out on the inside. All right, I got to get to my message. Number 15, the time is now. So as I speak this, I want to just remind you, what are the immediate steps you need to take to obey what God is commanding you to do in your life? This isn't about your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, your pastor. This is about you. All right, so we're going to continue on. I got a few points today. Number 15, invest in that which is eternal. Invest in that which is eternal. 
I, I, I'm actually looking forward to preaching this because in this house, the large majority of people that are part of the Rock of Gainesville got a revelation of this a long time ago. You're a faithful people. You are tithers. You are givers. You sow into the kingdom. Every friend that's ever come here, before they leave town, they're wanting to know how they can come back because you bless them so much when they come. I mean, I'm not joking. You people have been amazing. But there are some that have been here for a long time and you still have not yet gotten a revelation of this. And so for the sake of all of us hearing together, we need to know what exactly is the Lord requiring of me, amen, of us. So Matthew chapter six, we're gonna be hanging out in Matthew five and six again. Again, if you get mad at any of this, I'm reading what Jesus wrote. All right, so you have no reason to be mad at me, just be mad at Jesus. Amen? Because Jesus said it, and he said it for a reason. God always did everything to bring us into blessing. Not because he's a taker, the devil's a taker. Jesus, like his father, is a giver. So everything Jesus proclaimed and preached to us was for a reason to get us under the cloud of blessing. But he will never violate his word to bless us. Never. No matter how much we sing, raise our hand, do the hallelujah two-step, serve in children's ministry, we can do all those things and not have love. And it's nothing. Not be obedient. See, the Lord is more interested in our obedience than our sacrifice. Whoo! I drove the golf cart today. It was 34 degrees. I got my check mark. No, people out here driving golf carts are driving golf carts because they love Jesus. And it flows out of them. They want to be a blessing. <laughs> I had to walk my dog this morning. And last night when I looked at the weather, I was like, oh my gosh, why did I get a dog? She got to be walked. I can turn her out for number one, Phil, but I can't turn her out for number two. I got to walk her. And we have to walk like a mile and then turn around. She got to sniff everything. I mean, I'm like, come on, girl, just take care of your business. But I saw how cold it was. I look like an Alaskan snowman this morning. I'm not lying, I had three layers of pants on, ski pants over the top, long sleeve shirt, long sleeve thick uh, fleece sweater, big thick jacket over the top, had a knit cap on, had my COVID-19 mask all the way up over my nose, had a, had, a, had a knit hat on, then had my other cap on, pulled down tight, had my gloves on. And when I got home, I was freezing. <laughs> I was like, Lord, you got to thicken my blood up a little bit. I got strawberry lemonade for blood. I'm out there just walking. It's cold. And I don't know what this story has to do with what I'm preaching. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, you need to underline this in your Bible, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Listen to this. You cannot serve God and money. Now hear me. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money. I love how many preachers I have in this house. Y'all just shout it out. The love of money is the root of all evil. Nothing wrong with money. It's what we do with it. It's what it becomes in our life. Is it a tool for God's use? And in the midst of it, if it's a tool for God's use, it's also for your use. Nothing wrong with you paying your electric bill on time. Nothing wrong with you paying your mortgage or your rent on time. Nothing wrong with you paying your employees who've worked hard for you and appreciate when you pat them on the back, but they would prefer a paycheck instead on time. Amen? So, so it's not money that's evil. It's when we allow that to become our God. You know, almost every single week we will have an altar call, and I will have one this morning, I'm sure, where we invite anybody that does not know Jesus to confess him as Lord of your life and to begin your journey with God. The problem in the last hundred years in the church in America is we just want everybody to think there's four easy steps to salvation. You see, Jesus came to, or actually Nicodemus came to Jesus, very intelligent, brilliant man, student of the law, student of religion. And when Jesus finished speaking with Nicodemus, Nicodemus said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Don't you love it? Jesus said, oh, There's four easy steps. No. He said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Man, that threw him for a loop. What? What do you mean born again? You telling me I got to go back in my mother's womb? I mean, that's his natural thinking. The only thing he can think about being born again is to go back into his mother's womb and be born again. Jesus said, no, it's not that kind of born again. You got to be born by the blood, by the spirit. It's a faith thing. Nicodemus scratched his head and he walked away considering what had been said. Consider. 
Everything I'm saying to you this morning, I'm telling you, I want you to consider what Holy Spirit is saying to you. When the, when the wise men came to find Mary and Joseph and to see the baby Jesus, it said that Mary listened to all that they had to say, and she pondered it in her heart. She was sitting there. She had already had the angel of the Lord come and say, by the way, this is what you're going to do. She knew it. But all of a sudden, here's these guys come and say, and a star appeared in the sky. The angels came in the heavenly choir, sang a beautiful song of hallelujah, and we couldn't wait to get here. And she pondered those things. What does that mean for my child? What does that mean for me? So we have to ponder what Holy Spirit is saying to us so that we can allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit where necessary to bring us to a place of revelation that this area in our life needs to get right. Now the point is invest in that which is eternal. When it comes down to it, everything that you and I have been blessed with, get ready to say amen to this, came from the Father above. Everything that we have was from him. And I told you last week, we Americans, we have a lot of stuff. Stuff we bought with our money. The problem is, we're not taking any of that stuff with us. When we exit this world, even the gold in your teeth are staying behind. Not taking any of it. It's all staying behind. It all belongs to him. What we do with it will determine whether we have eternity in mind or, man, I worked really hard for all I have and it's mine. No, it's not. And when you can get a revelation as a believer that it all belongs to him, then you know what you become? You become a conduit, a blessing to do whatever God's called you to do. The Lord blesses you from behind. You're not seeking riches or wealth. You're working hard and God's blessing your hands, blessing your business, blessing your creativity, blessing all the gifts that he's gifted you with. And that blessing, the word says, comes from behind, literally can knock you forward. And what do you do with it? You turn and keep it to yourself or you become a conduit. And that blessing begins to flow through you. Why? Because you have eternity in mind. There's no other reason in the world why a people like us for 25 plus years, twice a year, above and beyond our tithe and our offerings and our missions and our, all the things we give to, guest speakers, that twice a year we come together to worship God and to sow a seed. And you guys sow, on average, close to a couple hundred thousand dollars twice a year. That's mind-boggling. See, that's people that have become a conduit. I've watched over 25 years. I've watched and read through the contribution report and been excited for so many people that I remember when they were children bringing their bags of coins. And today they're writing checks. And checks that show... God, I believe one thing, my heart is after you. 
My heart is after you. Every single year, I told Suzanne the other day, we were talking about where we are in life. It's good to talk about that kind of stuff. We're 63 and whatever my wife is, just a day or two older than me. And we were talking about some of the things we've done that have been good, some of the things we got started late in, and the reality that our hope and our trust is in God. But in the midst of it, I just got my contribution report for last year. And I said, honey, this is what we gave in tithe and offerings. And it was mind boggling to us. Twice what my salary was when I started this church 33 years ago is our tithe and offerings. It's mostly offerings. But the reality is, See, I remember when I was a thief and a robber in the house of God. I remember when giving 50 cents was a huge deal. Because that was a snicker bar. Come on, somebody, let's be honest. I got to go to work tomorrow and I got 50 cents left. And no matter what I made, it didn't matter because I wasn't obedient to the Lord I was always walking in slack, slack, and not enough. They were my best three friends. Lack, slack, and not enough. Until one day when Holy Spirit said, enough is enough. You're never going to be the man of God that I've called you to be, and you're never going to be able to do and accomplish what I've called you to accomplish and do in my world until you get this thing right. See, I did not live with eternity in mind. I wanted to go to heaven, but I grew up watching Parents that did not ever teach their children the principle of the tithe. And the tithe is very simple, right? It's the first fruit, the first tenth of whatever you make. It's so simple. You make $100, you owe God $10. That's it. $10. But that was huge when you have no revelation of why you're taking out of that $100 and your bills this week are 110, I can't afford to give $10. Well, first of all, you're not giving it, you're paying it because it's what God requires. So you can't give your tithe. Contrary to what a lot of people believe, you can't give your tithe, you owe that to God. Go, go to your mortgage lender and say, hey, I'm coming to give you a gift. <laughs> really, that's exciting. Here's my payment. Where's the gift? Well, that is my payment. No, that ain't a gift. You owe that. And that's got 6% on it or 7%. Or those of you that have already refinanced a couple times this year, 1.99%. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. So the tithe, that's what we owe to God. My offering, well, that's anything above, come on, my tithe. A lot of folks just want to give their offerings to God. Let me tell you something. I'm just preaching the truth here. I, I hope I get through point 15 today. I have three others that are really important. We got to stop playing games with God. Consider our ways. The Lord said to the Israelites, he said, go gather timber, bring it in and build my house. The same way today he's preaching and speaking the life of the truth of his word into our hearts and spirits. And it's not up for debate. 
Matter of fact, I believe that what we do with our money is probably one of the greatest opportunities we have to really express to God our worship. See, some are really good at kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. But they're not faithful with their $10. You say, well, pastor, I can't afford it. That's the lie around third world countries that I've had the privilege to preach the gospel in all over the world. Hold it, you expect me to tell our people that have nothing? That they owe God 10% of what little they get? Yep, that's absolutely what God said. Because if not, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, and 100 years from now, you, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren are still going to be living deep in poverty. And the only thing that will ever break that is the Word of God in an obedient heart. The Word of God breaks the yoke of bondage. Because we have obeyed. Then guess what? Then you lift up your hands to sing hallelujah to God. And he knows it's coming from your heart. Why? Because I'm saying, God, I'm going to take serious your word. Now, I know we have visitors here this morning. Bless you. I'm glad you're here. You don't have to receive any of this. You can just walk out and say the music was good. But to the house, I got to make it clear. I got to make it plain today. If this area of your life, you are not accountable to God by his Holy Spirit, and if need be, through a spouse or a friend, and you just hope that you've been diligent and faithful. See, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to write a check. I'll just put cash in because I don't want anybody to know what I'm giving. It's probably because you're not giving any. See, Jesus knew what they were bringing into the temple. He stood there and he watched. And when he got through watching everybody come down, all the rich people, man, came and put in their gold and their silver and their, and their jewels. And then this little woman walks down. Poor, broke. And she emptied her bag and she put her last two bits and Jesus goes, wow. Turns to his disciples and said, this woman gave more than everybody. Well, what do you mean, Lord? We, we saw that, that sweet little mama. It, it might have been two bits, Lord. Yeah, but she gave everything. See, and the Lord's not requiring you to give everything outside of your heart. But he is wanting you to be honest with what's in your heart. Hear me. If you cannot trust God with 10%. Okay, hang on. If you can't trust God with 10%, are you really telling me that the God you've never seen is building you a mansion in heaven? Got your name on the outside of the door, building gold? You can't trust him with $10 of the hundred you made. But man, when I get to heaven, whoo, I'm going to have me a mansion. It's a pipe dream. See, 
What we do with our money lets God know what's really in our heart. God, I surrender all, and I love you with all I have. And if you're requiring this of me, hear me. What did Jesus do before he sent Haggai the prophet to tell the people of Israel to go out and gather the timber in? What did he do years before? He planted trees. Come on. He had already built what was going to be needed. The Lord's waiting for you to prove me now in this and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven above you and pour out a blessing beyond anything you ever dreamed or imagined. That is why I believe America is still the most blessed nation in the world today because the vast majority of Christians are faithful with their tithe and their offering and they sow into missions to take the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout all the world. You know, my last missions trip, last November, the 6th, 7th, 8th, somewhere, right after I'd been diagnosed with an incurable cancer, my doctor said, don't go, you can't go, please don't go. I said, no, I got to go because there's been a lot of work put into this. We had 150 plus pastors and their spouses coming to spend two days with Oscar and I for me to teach them the principle in Cuba, in Cuba, where the average income per month is $30. Everybody, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, or a street cleaner, everybody has a food coupon book. And every week they go to their corner little grocery to get their groceries. Is that clock in the red because I'm already past time? I'm, I'm not done. <laughs> Y'all bear with me, all right? But we went down there and these pastors and their wives came for one reason. Because I was going to teach them and preach to them the kingdom of God, tithe, offering, finances, and how to prove God in our generation. Now, across the island of Cuba, 31 trips, from the eastern tip of Cuba to the western tip, from the north to the south, Oscar and I have crisscrossed Cuba preaching the gospel. Two churches... Now understand, when we were delivering Bibles, remember that? We went about four times a year, took anywhere from 15 to, I don't know, I think 30, 35 was the largest group we took down. And we, we did, in five days, we would do three services a day, 15 services, 15 different churches. So just in the few years that we were doing Bibles, we were, we were in so many churches, it was unbelievable. Two pastors in all of Cuba. And I bet if I ask Al right now to tell us about Haiti, he'd probably come with the same stories. Two pastors in all of Cuba confessed to me that they preached the tithe and the offering. All the rest, all the rest had this mindset that we're poor we cannot ask these people to do something they cannot afford to do. But the difference between these two churches 
and all the rest was night and day. It was literally like South Korea and North Korea at night, light, dark, literally. These churches were prospering. They had unbelievable musicians. They had incredible worship. It's amazing how great I can sing in English during a Spanish song. I just make up words. (laughs) I know the song. I even know the song in English, but when they're singing in Spanish, I cannot remember the words, so I just make up my own. Man, I have me and myself as a choir before God Almighty. They were marked difference. Their buildings were clean. They they fed us unbelievable meals. They, They hosted us. And all the time I'm going, hold it. This doesn't make sense. And I'll never remember standing there with Pastor Chang. And I said finally through, Melissa I think was translating for me, I said, Pastor Chang, what's the difference here? And he said for the 30 years since they had started their church, they had preached the tithe and the offering to their people. And he said, all our people tithe. I'm like, hold it, hold it, hold it. These are the same Cubans that live across the street that go to church and love God just as much. The difference is one was taught truth and the other was pitied. I do not pity anybody in this house that does not yet walk in truth. I pray for you that you'll get a revelation that'll change your life. And it'll change your children's, whoo, I am preaching the truth. Your children's, children's, children's life when you walk in truth. Because truth is what sets you free. And truth is what keeps you free. So I want to go one step further than I've gone in 33 and a half years here. I want to tell you what I believe Holy Spirit showed me this week. You see, I believe that everything God blesses Suzanne and I with, we are faithful. Whatever increase, say increase. Whatever increase God brings into our life, we are faithful. The very first thing we do is pay a tithe. Some of you guys bless me every single year. I got some sweet little widow women in this house that will not let a birthday go by or Christmas that they don't give me a precious envelope, words that just, if you know me, I like words. My kids, I tell them, y'all don't have to struggle about a Christmas present, birthday present. Just write something you know I want to hear in a card. And you don't have to give me no money and you definitely don't need to give me any socks or bow ties. But these precious little ladies, they'll have a $20 bill, $50 bill, every single birthday, every single Christmas, every single anniversary of our birthing, planting this church. And the first thing I do is honor God with it by paying the tithe. Not because I feel like I have to, I get to. I get to. And that blessing comes down into my life, it goes down into my son's life, it goes down into my grandchildren's life. That they will not have to spend years breaking curses that I had to break because my parents didn't do it right. Come on, somebody. But hear me, if you will break the curse by your obedience, there will come a time, and hear me, don't think if you have been robbing God with your tithe for years, 
and you go, Pastor, I get it. Today, I'm going to write my tithe check. Man, I can't wait till next week. What you're saying is blessing's going to just come all over me. No, no, you, you've sown bad seed for years. What we sow, we reap. It took Suzanne and I, and, and, and listen, sometimes the spouse and the children have to suffer the consequences of the other spouse's sin. In our case, it was the husband. My wife had never robbed God once in her life from the time she was 12 and made her first dollar. She paid a tithe on it. I had only robbed God since I was 12 in my first job because it wasn't very much, 75 cents an hour, I think I've made working at Combs Lumber in Gainesville, Florida when I was 12 years old. I think it was against the law for them to hire me, but <laughs> they probably paid me under the table because what's 20 hours or 10 hours times 75 cents is not very much. And I had a good job until I took the forklift when I was 13 and knocked out the, 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 the ramp underneath the steps coming down and the guy went falling. Well, that was my last time working there. And, <laughs> and it's probably because I wasn't faithful with my tithe because <laughs> I knew how to drive that forklift. But one day, Holy Spirit said, for the sake of my wife, my sons, and now my grandchildren, you can get this right. Or you can just be religious the rest of your life and I'll never be able to use you. The Rock of Gainesville is here today because of an event that took place on a Sunday afternoon in Panama City in a heated discussion between my wife and I and Holy Spirit. And she walked out the door, slammed the door after sticking her red painted fingernail <laughs> deep into my chest and said, you better never rob God of the tithe again. And she walked out the door. And the greatest thing in my life happened. I immediately had a conviction that I had broken the heart of God and I had lost the trust of my new beautiful wife. And I knew it would take years, hear me, years to recover. But I repented that day. I literally got on my face and wept and said, God, I don't even understand all this. But this I know never again in my life, this side of heaven, will I ever take any increase you bring in my life and not pay a tithe on it. It was settled. I believe the Rock of Gainesville is here today. This building is here today because of the act of obedience 41 years ago. See, we reap what we sow. And so if you're in that place in your life, don't live under condemnation, guilt, or shame. Just get it right and prove God now in this and then stand back and watch what the Lord will do in your life. You know, at the end of every year, you ought to get excited about getting your contribution uh, receipt from the Rock of Gainesville. You should look at that with great excitement and great hope and, and, and then turn and begin to watch the years go into one year, into three years, into five, into 10, into 15, into 20, into 25 and go, wow, look what the Lord has done in my life. Getting real quiet in here. All right, this one last thing I'm going to throw out. I'm not going to get to point 16. I guess I'm going to have to preach next weekend. I was going to take the weekend and rest, but I guess I'm going to have to 
come back and preach because I have to give you these points. Because I think they're about to turn the cameras and the lights off on me back there. <laughs> Listen to this. This week as I was praying, Holy Spirit said, it's time for you to lay this out. If you are a sole proprietor, the owner of a business, that business is the increase of God in your life. The business. Meaning that if you're truly walking out faithfully, being a tither, you need to tithe the profit of your business because it's yours. I'm not talking about if you're in partnership with somebody, he's an unbeliever, not gonna happen. Not unless that unsaved partner gets a revelation of it too. But Holy Spirit spoke to me the other day and he said, you have withheld speaking this factually from the pulpit. I've touched on it. I've skirted around it over the years. But Holy Spirit said, there are people in my house that need to understand that everything I bless them with is what I require from them so that my blessing will overcome them. And he asked me a question, what part of your life do you want blessed? Just your income that you bring home? Or, or, are, or are you of the absolute certainty that everything that I bring into your life is, a, is increase and blessing? I said, Lord, everything you bring into my life, I call increase. I'm thankful. I mean, don't for a minute think that when some of these sweet little widow ladies give me a card with $20 in it, that I don't understand the love behind it. I mean, for some, that's $200. For some, that's $2,000. For some, that's $20,000. It might just be two mites, two cents, but it's out of a heart of gratitude. And what happens when you have a heart of gratitude back? Man, God opens windows. Hear me, you know this if you're a part of this house. I'm not preaching this message because we need you to dig a little deeper. I preached in a church years ago. And uh, by invitation, don't know why they invited me, but I preached and before I preached, the pastor did the tithes and offerings. And then as soon as I finished preaching, the pastor went back up and uh, he said, now folks, he said, we counted the offering and it's not enough. So we're gonna need to take up another offering, take up another offering. See, as much as I love all the little children in this house that bring their bags of offering and sow it into the seed, we cannot do what God has called us to do, hear me, with those bags. But guess what? Those children grow up into adults that have proven God every day of their life. And all of a sudden they come up with creative ideas to start businesses and they start businesses and God begins to bless their hand. Now all of a sudden they're writing checks that are magnified a hundredfold over what they gave as a child in a bag. 
Ooh, I'm preaching the truth and I don't care how quiet it is in here. I'm not preaching this because we need to dig deeper. I felt my heart went out to this pastor. And they literally took a second offering. Then they had a few songs and I went and sat down. And then before the service was over, the preacher came out and he said, now, he said, we've counted the offering again. We still don't have enough to pay our bills this week. He said, so we're going to have to just one more time take up another offering. And I am not lying. I was sitting beside a businessman. And they took the third offering up and the basket came down the aisle. And the man opened his wallet. I'm sitting right there beside him. I'm just kind of waiting for service to get over. I'm all by myself and I'm ready to go home. And, uh, and, and the man beside me, he pulls out his wallet and takes out a $20 bill. I had no thought, no judgment. You know, thank God that'll, that'll help this preacher pay his, his bill this week. And I'm not lying to you when I tell you that man stopped the back, the, bu- the basket as it went by, stuck his hand in the basket, pulled out until he found a 10 and a five, and then put the $20 bill in and passed it down. And my heart broke for that man because I found out later that pastor in America had never taught his people the principle of the tithe and the offering. So they were living the fruit of guilt, which is a horrible thing to live with. Because we're not called to live full of guilt. There's something liberating about being faithful and now put my trust and hope in God. A week ago, one of our precious families with some precious children came up to me on the Saturday night at the end of the service. And they said, Pastor, today uh, or yesterday, uh, when I finished up my job, worked for a professional company, big company, said they came in and told me not to come back on Monday. My job was over. After many years working for them, no severance pay, no reason, nothing, just you're not coming back. And you know what blessed me to no end? There was no fear in these kids. There was no, oh my God, pastor, what are we going to do? How are we going to make it? There was an absolute confidence. God's got this. He must have something better for me. How do you get to that place? Well, you've already proven God. Now in this, so that the windows of heaven will be open for us. So I encourage you. Sometimes our repentance is not crying or just confessing. It's actually our actions. See, Jesus, when Nicodemus came to him and said, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, well, you gotta be born again. But then a rich young ruler came. He had his entourage with him. Man, they were having a party. They're cruising down the street. They hear this teacher that's doing miracles is around. They find him, they walk in. The rich young ruler, he's not ashamed. He's not afraid, he's not timid. He comes to the master and he says, Rabbi, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you need you know, keep the laws and, and, and you could just see the pride rise up in the rich young ruler. And he says, Rabbi, since my youth, I've obeyed all these laws. And he turns to walk away and Jesus walking away. And then, then he turns and he said, oh, excuse me. There's one other thing for you. 
you gotta go sell all that you have and give it away and then come follow me. Nowhere in scripture or history does it ever say that that young man got things right with God. Was Jesus promoting this guy giving everything away and living in poverty? No. What he was saying to this young man was, your wealth is your God. You kept all the laws, but your heart is far from God. See, church, hear me this morning. God's interested in one thing in your life. That's your heart, your heart. And when that surrendered to the Lord, wow. You know what he wanted to do? He wanted that rich young ruler to experience the miraculous of God over an abundant blessing coming from behind, restoring, giving, blessing back. So I close with this this morning. To every business owner in this house, consider this, take it before God and ask Holy Spirit to reveal, is this a word for you? Don't do it because I said it. Do it because the word says it. Do it because Holy Spirit will confirm it. Don't be afraid to ponder it. Don't be afraid to consider it. Don't be afraid to ask the Lord, Lord, are you saying this? Because I, I'm telling you, we, we have some families in our house that tied their business. And when they first began, several came to me and said, Pastor, after the first year, this is what they said. Pastor, my accountant said, I cannot do this. Our attorney said, we can't do this. You can't afford to do this. And they said, oh no, we're gonna do this. And between the husband and wife, they made a covenant that they believed that they heard the word of the Lord and therefore they were gonna act out on it. And today those families are blessed beyond measure. See, the Lord said, prove me now in this, Malachi chapter three. Just go to Malachi and read Malachi chapter three, the whole chapter, just saturate yourself with the word and then go over into the new covenant and hear the heart of Jesus when he talks. See, he wants your whole heart. I don't want a dollar bill, a hundred dollar bill or a million dollars to ever separate me from the love of God. I wanna prove now and forever that everything I have is because of him. Therefore, whatever he says, it's easy to give it back. Amen. Let me seal this word with a prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for truth. Thank you, Father, that you love us so much that you never withhold truth from us. Thank you so much, Father, that your truth always opens the door of blessing in our lives. Your truth enables us to grow into that which you see us being and doing long before we ever can see it or imagine it. Help us to be obedient. I pray today for every person in this house, Father, that you have convicted by your Holy Spirit today because you love them, that it's time to stop playing games with you, that you want their whole heart. Therefore, whatever stands in the way 
you will bring loving conviction to bring us to a place. Holy Spirit has come to convict us of sin and of righteousness. Convict us of our sins so that we could repent and bring us to a place of living righteous before Almighty God. Father, for that, I say thank you. I say thank you for the pain of what I went through 41 years ago when you had had enough of my foolishness, my lack of faith, my fear, my inability to walk in truth in this area of my life. I thank you that conviction brought me to a place of righteousness. And righteousness brought me to a place of great joy. The joy of giving and sowing and blessing others and being that conduit that can be trusted, that you can pour into the left because we're gonna release it on the right for your glory, for the benefit of your church. Lord, I give you thanks for that. With every head bowed for just a moment, believers are praying, I wanna speak to anyone in this room whether you have been saved or are not saved. If you've been saved and this teaching today has brought you to a place of conviction, it has not brought you there to make you miserable, it's brought you there to set you free. And this morning, I'm gonna give you an opportunity just to say, God, I'm gonna make this thing right in my life. But there are those possibly in this room today that you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. You do not know the love of God. You do not know how much the, the God who created you after his image and likeness has such great desires for you, loves you so much. He did not send his son Jesus to die on a cross so you could go to church and be religious. He died so that you could know the heart of the Father. So you could be a son or a daughter of the one who loves you so very much. This morning, right where you sit, Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. And he's saying, if you'll just open the door, I'll come in and I'll reveal to you my love, my goodness, my mercy. I will forgive you of your sins and wash you clean. Maybe you're watching online this morning. I cannot see it if you raise your hand, but you can raise it anyhow. Let me lead you in a prayer and you can call the church office, send an email, reach out to someone and tell them today, January the 17th, I asked Jesus to be Lord in my life. But for those who are in this room this morning, God's knocking at your heart's door. If you wanna let him in, no one's looking around. This is just between you, me, and Holy Spirit right now. Would you just lift up your hand, hold it up long enough so that I can see it, and let me lead you in a simple prayer. God bless you, yes. Thank you. Someone else, I don't wanna rush you through this because the conviction of Holy Spirit is an awesome thing. Sometimes it shakes us. 
stirs us. But he loves you so very much. Yes, God bless you, dear. Anyone else this morning? This is your moment. It's your time. Those of you that are watching online, man, right before God, maybe you're in your room by yourself. God's there with you, ready to come into your life. Anyone else this morning? I don't want to leave you out. Yes, dear, God bless you. Thank you. The greatest single decision you will ever make in your life is to surrender your heart, soul, mind, and body to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, dear, God bless you. Bless you, both of you. Join with me now. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Those of you that raised your hand, those that are watching online, pray with me. The whole congregation is gonna join us as we invite with you, Jesus Christ, to come into your heart this morning. Pray this prayer out loud. Father God, thank you for loving me first, for giving your son Jesus for me. Jesus, I'm opening up my heart right now. Come in. Forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you saved me before I was ever willing to come. Today, I receive you. I confess you as Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, my Redeemer, my Savior, and my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for giving the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I now welcome you into my life to teach me, to help me, to strengthen me, to comfort me. Holy Spirit, I invite you into every area of my life. I surrender my all in all to you. I pray this, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Well, I, I am coming back next week because I, I have a couple of really good points. Uh, it might not be as heavy as this one, but uh, I have a story that I want to share with you that uh, I came upon last week that'll just cause Holy Ghost goosebumps. And uh, so encourage you. Thank you for being here. Uh, let me just say one last thing before PR comes and they literally kick me off the stage. In these troubling times of still bad news, not knowing what's going on. You know, this last week I got an email from Shands Hospital and they said, we're requesting that all multiple myeloma patients get the COVID vaccine and, and uh, we're setting a date for that. And I, I hadn't really known at this point how I feel about it, what, if I was going to do it. I've been praying and asking the Lord for wisdom and. And then I opened up an article uh, by the CDC yesterday and it said, you know, 55 people have died from the COVID vaccination and 
258 have been hospitalized and 1,700 have taken trips to the ER after having a combination of two different shots. And, and I was like, <laughs> wow, Lord, is this my answer or in the midst of this? You see, we got to have a confidence that we can hear from God. Everyone individually. No adult in this place has to do anything based on what somebody else tells you. You need to hear in this day and age. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. And I'm praying not only for myself to hear, because if Holy Spirit says, take it, I'm gonna take it. And where's my trust gonna be? Not in that shot. It's gonna be in Christ alone, amen? But if I don't have a peace, then they better bring a whole bunch of guys to strap me down. Because it's my body. I'm responsible. No doctor, no nurse, no CDC. I'm responsible. You're responsible. Why are you saying all this, Pastor, putting fear in you? I'm not putting fear in you. I'm, I'm saying use wisdom. But in this day and age, when there is so much bad coming down the pipe, We need to be Holy Spirit-filled people. The other night, we were, it was really cold and I'd build a fire and we were fixing, we were fixing supper. I set the table. Um, that means we were fixing supper, but Suzanne said, honey, I wanna watch a movie night. And I said, the strangest thing, I said, I wanna watch a movie too and I don't know why because this is not one of my type movies. But the day before I'd been out walking, praying, and all of a sudden I found myself singing a song in the movie of The Sound of Music. Where'd that come from? So I said, honey, I think I wanna watch The Sound of Music. I believe it was Holy Spirit inspired. And I'm not telling you to go home and watch that movie, but Suzanne and I were watching that movie and watching what that captain had to do to protect his family and his children in troubling days when the nation of Austria was about to be turned over to the Nazis. And I thought, this is a prophetic warning for America. We are living in day and a time that we never imagined in our lifetime we would be living with. Church, pray and obey. And don't live in fear. Amen? Because the worst that can happen is we're gonna go be with Jesus. That's the absolute worst thing that can happen is we're gonna go depart this world and live for eternity with Jesus Christ our Lord and with all my loved ones that are already there. Amen. I love you guys. Can't wait to preach the rest of this message next week. I hope you come back. All right, God bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.